I hate trilogies, dude. <laughs> Dune trilogy incoming. The Dune has more than three books. That's why you're gonna get a part two trilogy. <laughs> Have you even watched Star Wars? People are gonna fall off quick. They're like, what the fuck is this? Welcome to the Writer On Podcast, a chance to step away from our own notebooks and into another's. My name is Steve, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Cade and Julie. Cade, what are we talking about today? It's all about you today, Steve. We're talking about your short story, The Sunken Planet. So we did a reading last time. If you guys did not listen to it, this discussion is probably going to mean close to nothing to you. So go ahead and check it out. We do kind of a live reading where the three of us take on different characters throughout the story and give a nice little... Uh, reading of Steve's short piece, and I think it's a fantastic listen to, and I don't think it's very long either. So check that out prior to listening to this. Um, and I think I'd like to just kind of get in and talk to you, Steve, about what you did when you were creating this. Yeah. Julie, how long is the uh, the recording for it? Now you've been like editing it down a little bit. It was like 40 minutes, I believe. It's not bad at all. Yeah. It's a little bit of a shorter episode, but... yeah. All right, so who wants to uh, pick Steve's brain here? Yeah, I am an open book. <laughs> Got him. Um, I think one of the first, so I probably read this story five, maybe six times now. Uh, once when I think you were originally writing it before even this right around podcast was even an idea. And then as we started to decide that we wanted to talk about this piece, we went into it more than one part that just, I mean, it always stands out. It's literally the first thing. It's how it starts is you do this like passage reading of this like mantra, basically, that this society of people like live by. It's like basically their version of like a holy text. Yeah. It's, mm -hmm. I guess I'm just wondering, like, and it is to you, right? It's meant to be this core piece that kind of drives the whole story forward. And you put yeah. it right at the beginning. Mm -hmm. uh, it's actually about? like on a plaque like the main character is like reading it like uh you know it's kind of like it couldn't be more like on your nose but um in my mind like i kind of have like an idea of like how like this society is structured i don't want to go too in-depth into it because i do like the idea of like the reader kind of constructing how this world would work but it would be a thing where like the words of dr curious maxwell like not just that but like just his countless like throughout the years, like the journal entries or the things of note that he's written down would be kind of like common knowledge for the people that like the, uh, of this like world. And so that was just supposed to be an, an example of like something that was a kind of like, like a common saying that was like, or a common like saying of Dr. Curious Maxwell that is known. The reason that itself is like kind of like at the very start of the story is because that's like where for me the story started. Like I was, I think I was just like, a lot of my ideas come like when I'm taking a shower or like I'm just like thinking of random things. And so the idea to me came to me of like, what would a sunken planet be like? So I'm like, okay, envision this thing where like it's like a giant sea and like it's like completely black because there's no like light being emanated from this in the middle of space and like like a terrible like murky black planet you couldn't distinguish without a source of light. And so I was like, that's like an odd image. And so I'm like, from there I got the idea of like literally the sunken planet um, so in my mind, like the physical subject of the story is like, I kind of imagine that literally. And then I don't know why I was kind of like at the end of it, I imagined someone writing it down in a journal. I think that's kind of inspired by like stuff of like Lovecraft and whatnot. Like the idea of like odd, like manifestations of like oddities in the universe being written down in like a kind of like manner of fact manner from like some like 
distant observer, I don't know, like, like it kind of is like a little Lovecraftian to me. Not like the whole cosmic horror element of it, but like if you read a lot of his stories, there's like people being like cataloging like weird events, being like, oh, today I saw the most odd thing, a grotesque horror, and it blew my mind. And then I went shopping or whatever, you know? So that's kind of like where noting it as just like a journal entry kind of like came for me, you know? I think that's good. And I like that you have that passage because I think it, it's like setting the tone kind of for the rest of the story because it's mm-hmm. so serious. That, yeah. So you're kind of in that mindset of like, okay, we're in this completely different world. And I think it's a really good opening to a story like that. Yeah. I had a couple other points before we move on, just on this mm-hmm. like personal section. Yeah. Here. You, you I can talk more like, about it as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you had mentioned like Lovecraftian inspiration. I, I think when I read it and like pretty much every time since then, it just reminds me of basically like an episode of the Twilight Zone. Yeah. Oh, um, yes, very I, much I so. do. I, yeah, mm-hmm. like it seems like it's out of it. I feel like I might have seen an episode, maybe with you at one point in time, about like the ending twists and you find out that the people are not actually how you would envision them. They're more so these like, you know, almost monstrosities that have developed. I like, think there is like an episode of Twilight Zone within the first like three seasons. It's very similar where they're like, in a hospital and like you're hideous and we're trying and like it's revealed like the like the everyone else is hideous and like the the protagonist of that story is like a normal like beautiful looking yeah. person like yeah a, yeah beautiful woman mm-hmm. or something like that exactly yeah it, so it wasn't inspired by that but it is kind of like a similar like idea where it's like what if like because in my mind like this kind of goes back to what i was talking about before like where there's more to this world than like what I'm letting on, but I don't want it to be like a thing that's kind of explicit. I want like the idea of like what Curious Maxwell has done to like this world, like how he's done it and like the results on the populace is kind of like, there's more to be explored there, but like from the point of view of the the, the narrator, it's kind of commonplace to him, but like to us as like the reader, it becomes more and more alien as like it's more of it's revealed, you know, like we don't know when it's taking place, how Curious Maxwell did all this, like what's going on with like the society, but just like the gradual, the gradual reveal of like, oh, in becoming immortal, they become like actual monsters to us, like unrecognizable. That was like a very interesting point I wanted to kind of explore at some point in the story. So I'm not, I, I think that reveal is one of the parts of the story that I like the best. Yeah. I just, I keep looking at the intro because I think it's my favorite part of the story. Oh yeah. I love it as oh, well. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You write it very differently. And I, I'm wondering, like, what was an easier part to write? Because if you look at the intro, it's oh, this, yeah. like, mm-hmm. passage, right? It's yes. this mm-hmm. script, basically. Yeah, exactly. Which writes differently, like, as you mm-hmm. doing it. The rest of the story is a bit more kind of how your typical story would be told. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. With, the, you know, you have the people talking with each other. You have the description of the scenery around you, which mm-hmm. we'll get to. But I think you do a beautiful job at kind of creating a world that you don't mm, actually... You. Mm-hmm. fully show the reader what part did you think was easier for you to write do you think you had an easier time doing that kind of passage like oh shunk? yeah by far i yeah way is way easier yeah like the actual like because like when you talk about like normal stuff people know what, like a normal conversation is like they know like what like a accurate description of something's like so like it's hard to kind of like tell a story that doesn't sound like you're being told a story it sounds natural but like when you're going like all out like just like some weirdo stuff i think in like whenever i think of like something that's entertaining i think of like grandiose over the top like very like like macabre or like melancholic you know like it's not like not like grounded like the way normal people can like 
speak like in the in their everyday life. So it's like the the more grandiose, like the better, because it's not like people don't have as good of like a frame of reference. And so if it can be very descriptive and create like a powerful image, that's like easier to do than trying to convince convince someone they're not reading someone describe a cup of coffee. They're just like imagining a cup of coffee. Do you know what do you get what I'm saying with that? Yeah. That's like I, I think I do understand what you're saying. I think that's crazy and kind of surprising to me that you had an easier job at writing that passage than the other parts. Oh, the passage like I probably wrote in like 15 minutes, honestly. Wild. It's very, yeah. very good. I that- could if, if creative writing was just just cranking out like little like weird blurbs or whatever, I would I would probably match Julie's like body of work <laughs> soon. But like it, it, there's the thing is like there's no like. On its own, there's no substance to it, you know? Like, it could be, like, a little thought-provoking, but there's no, like, that's not, like, a whole story on itself. It creates, like, a good, like, I wanted to do for a little bit, and might try doing this more, starting stories, like, all my short stories. I have, like, obviously, like, I don't have, uh, like, uh, that large of, like, a body of work, but, like, starting all my stories from a similar point that warrant it, you know what I mean? They're almost, like... It could almost be like poems. Like they could kind of stand by themselves. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that's true. That is true. Stand by it themselves. Is, like it's it's funny. I haven't like compared to the rest of the story. I haven't thought about it that much since then. Because like the intro, it just existed. Like it, it just popped in my head. I wrote it down. And so like I haven't had to go back and rewrite it or X, Y, or Z. Maybe some grammar stuff occasionally. But like the rest of the story, I've thought about more because it's like it was work. You know what I mean? Like I had to like okay. What does this mean? How do I convince, make this like sound like, I don't think like, I'm not acting like the story is like a masterpiece, but like from where it was before, like, especially if you guys haven't like read it and like, okay, this doesn't sound natural or whatever. Like I'm constantly like the intro part, I just like, I'm just like, it's there, you know, like it's almost as if I pulled it out of like the ether and just like put it on a piece of paper and they're like, all right, here's a writing. Like it was like a different part of my brain gave me a writing prompt. It was like, all right, make something out of this. So like, you know, you don't think about the prompt itself that often. Yeah, if, if I could do like a little background on my perspective of how you've, your, your, which is weird, right? Your process of writing this story and yeah. me on the sideline viewing it happen, I guess. Mm-hmm, yeah. So like you, you wrote this story and you kind of, you cranked it out pretty quick once you really got going with it. Mm-hmm, yeah. Like once you were like, okay, I'm just going to sit down and write this story. You did. And you yeah, sat exactly. down and you created it. And then you sent it to me and you sent and you're like, I'm done. I did it. And then I think I went through and I, I edited it for you. And I, mm-hmm. I did kind of like the Google notes or whatever. Or the yeah, exactly. Word notes. And I went through and I think I did a ton of edits on it. And I was like, <laughs> this section doesn't make sense. This yeah, section. exactly. And I'm not a grammar expert by any. Like it wasn't oh, even grammar no. really. It was story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, just, like, I think you had said to me and you were like, I thought I was done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like uh. it happens a lot like even in work like i do a lot of like like in like my normal everyday stuff like i do like a 3d a lot of 3d modeling and stuff like that it's a very similar thing where like once you do something it's a very good idea to have someone like go back and check it because like like if it's writing or it's work whatever like you become blind to like what you're doing because you're like okay it's there you know like you read a line 30 different times like yeah that's just like that's the line someone comes in they're fresh faced they're like the, the, uh, what is this i can't you know you're like oh yeah those two words don't go next to each other normally huh i so, just got like blind to that entirely yeah 
So I was kind of that first fresh face, right? Exactly. And then, and then we decide, you know, maybe you do some editing and stuff. You work yeah. a little bit more. You came, you were similar. You were like, yeah, we're good now. <laughs> and then we decide that we're going to read the story. But before mm. we want to do a dry read so we can make sure that, you know, us who are the non-writers trying to read this piece out yeah. loud can actually like put the words out of our mouth. Mm -hmm. So then we bring in Julie. And Julie, what was your perspective the next time going through an already edited piece of work? Yeah, I mean, I thought it, there wasn't like a ton. There was a few like grammar things, but I think that in general, it was good. Obviously the- Julie is this way before. too kind. <laughs> way too kind, Julie. We spent three different days going through and editing the piece of work. I the first time we were trying to do a dry read, oh we, were, we decided to stop. We're like, okay, let's edit this and then we'll do a dry read later. <laughs> well, the only, no, I feel like the only thing that we really- didn't even finish editing was that last monologue, which I gotta say was a struggle for me to read. I like it was hard because it's hard to keep track of like where you are when it's just like a giant. Thing. I, don't worry, I hate the monologue as well. <laughs> yeah, I don't hate it. I think that the you know the actual like what it's saying is good. Oh um, yeah, 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 yeah. But like that was the main thing that we didn't even really finish editing. But I don't know. I don't think that it's bad. I think that it's good to have somebody else look at it and just. Um, like you said, it's a, fr it's a fresh pair of eyes. I mean, you, you don't see things if it's your own work. I mean, you're like, oh, this is great. I did this. You know what I mean? So yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I didn't think it was that, but we did spend a lot of time on it. But it's I just I love doing editing. So like, I don't even remember how much time it was. I was like, this is great. Same. Like, I yeah. love it. <laughs> I, I do, too. And I, I think going through and editing a piece, especially somebody else's work, is very yeah. rewarding. Right. And definitely it was not bad. Like, it's not that the piece was bad. I think just sometimes sentences feel choppy. Oh, yeah, no, I, yeah. I was very much like, especially when I first wrote it, I was like, because I, I did write it with the idea of like, I want to have this done. There was like a whole like backstory, like, but I was like, oh, I want to have this like done soon. And so I just like kind of like vomited out a story. I was like, okay, <laughs> you know? And so. When did you have the edits, did we? I don't even know. I think we did a lot. I like, did especially we? like when Kate did his first read, um, I was like a, like he, like I had written it without like reading it out loud. And so he was like, this doesn't feel like a good conversation. One good piece of advice Kate gave me was like, these characters don't sound different from each other. They just sound like you talking to yourself. And I was like, I could see that. And I don't know if I did a good job delineating the characters that much, but I think like with Kate's advice, I did at least like Miss Murray and like uh, Rio. It's, it's like Kato's like, it sounds like just like one person going back and forth, you know? And so like I gave Miss Marie a little bit more personality. She's kind of like, got like two different personalities. I don't know how like pronounced they are. It might not, you know, be a fully fledged like person. Um, but like there is at least some distinction. I think I do a good job of like making real, like kind of more reserved throughout the story where other characters are either more knowledgeable than him or more outgoing or, you know, like Rio is kind of like more... At least in terms of like the way he like presents is like kind of more of like a passive. So, yeah, I, I got I got an idea. Like, what if we were to say like, so we're the readers, right? We didn't write mm -hmm. the story, so we don't yeah. actually know what they're supposed to be sh showing, other than what we've read. I mean, we've had those small bias if we listen to it a few more yeah. times. Mm -hmm. Definitely a bias, but um, like I guess like Julie. How do you picture some of the characters? Yeah, like Julie, you were yeah. Miss, you were El Elma Nye. What's your like image of like Elma, for example? Yeah, I think that I still because we talked about this when we were editing it. Mm -hmm. I feel like I still don't 
really picture Omanai the same way that you do. Because mm-hmm. I still, in my mind, have her pictured as like this like grand elder. You know what I mean? Like kind of think of like like high elves kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like just yeah. like on her mm-hmm. own, like not like above it all, but she's just like kind of like on a different level than like everybody else. Almost like, like an ascended being. Yeah, right. Which I know mm-hmm. that you had said that that's not what she's supposed to be like, but that's yeah. just like how I picture her. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Because she's called, she's like the elder. Ten yeah, elder. exactly. It's kind of like just it's like a, the phrasing. It might be an instance of like her yeah. reputation preceding her. Right, you know? yeah. Yeah. I think, but, when, but the way that you have her speak, I think, kind of makes it seem like she's not that way because she's kind of interested in what Rio's saying. And she even tells him like, I'm interested in what you've learned. Like she's very like welcoming and which yeah. isn't mm-hmm. like, which wouldn't be consistent with the way I was picturing her. Yeah. So, um, so I don't know. I think that by the end of it, I had like a different picture of her. Like I then like originally, but I still think that she's like, like a little removed from everybody else. Yeah. That's accurate. And so that, that's interesting because like Elma, for example, like it is kind of like the way you're describing it does kind of like match like how I would imagine people in the world would imagine like, oh, Elma Nye, you know, like she's not even like really one of us, you know, she's like, she worked with the Dr. Curious Maxwell, you know, stuff like that mm-hmm. where they're like kind of like, she's like a larger than life figure. Yeah, I think even Rio in the beginning says like, she doesn't match like, what he was imagining, but like what he was imagining, no one really could match or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And so, like, yeah, like the element that I imagine is just kind of like more kind of like a reserved, like elderly person where they're like, they like have a lot of like experience and whatnot that they're kind of like, um, that's kind of like temper them. So, like, they don't experience like the, like the mood swings that like people like of like younger people would where like their highs aren't as high or their lows because they're kind of like over time they like the uh, their expressions kind of been being down so like when like i think there's a line i have where like he said like i don't remember exactly but like basically it was like her smile and her frowns were like only separated by like a few degrees or like a couple of you know it was like so she's yeah. not like overly expressive but at the same time she's like attentive and like is like you know like engaged in the conversation even if it seems like she's not like 100% like, like enthused it's not like she's like displeased she's just kind of like you know more of like an elder like observer or whatever you know does that kind of make sense yeah that's consistent with how I pictured it yeah yeah like I'm not like a big like Harry Potter guy it's like 2021 you know whatever but like um kind of like what I imagine like like a uh, McGonagall you know like yeah. uh like kind of along those lines you know what I mean Weird, really? That's actually feel like how I pictured her. Okay, there you go. Oh, yeah. nice. mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember the one that I was very different from you on was um, uh, Yusef, right? Yusef, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yusef is a character I want to work on more. I think I'm going to re- rework Yusef a little bit in the story. Yeah, I think I can do a little bit more to like flesh him out, make him like a... I think later on in the conversation, he becomes more of like a... Like a person, but early on, I'm like, he's almost like a caricature. You know, I'm kind of like, I want to like, he like, he's like, uh, Yusuf's heard that one before. I, I do not like that line. It reads weird. Yeah. I think it was like, I'm, I'm going to just say like, I've heard that one before, you know. But yeah, like, so what did you kind of imagine him as? I, I wish we could get like, uh, 
a, a version of without the me having told you what I, it was. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. I mean, actually, because you edited it from that first time. So when I first oh, read the I piece, see. Mm -hmm. and I remember I was like, I told you how I pictured Yusuf, and he was like, mm -hmm. No, no, that's not Yusuf <laughs> at all. Okay. And I, I don't fully remember what I said about you. Him, I don't right? remember uh, what it was. You, yeah, but it was. I was kind of like, for me, Yusuf is like. It, at least where it started off with is like a kind of similar, like kind of like a, a little bit like there's like a, like I'm Haitian. And so like, there's like a couple of like Haitian guys, like it's like a, like a like a archetype where there's like very, very like friendly and like um like, like I don't know how to describe this. It's a little weird. Like they're good people and they're very friendly and very charismatic. But you're kind of like, uh, you know, uh, you know. They're more charismatic than you, then they're like, you know, I'm trying to think of a good way to describe it. They're like overly charismatic and like friendly. Not like they're like in a fake way. It's kind of like, uh, like if you're like not as outgoing or whatever, it's kind of like almost overpowering kind of in that sense. Whereas like Rio's, he's very reclusive and he's like friends with like Yusuf, but, uh, Yusuf is like. Hey, why are you, you know, being so reclusive? Come over here, buddy. And you're like, I don't want to. And Yusuf's like, ah, yeah, you, you don't have a choice kind of thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, I think he has the most, like, personality from the I think says. so as well, yeah. Like, when I was reading it, I was like, oh, I, I, like, feel like I picture Yusuf how you were just describing. Um, but, yeah, I think that one definitely is, you said you want to flesh him out more. But I feel like he's pretty... I think there's one like changed a little bit of how he talks in the beginning, like the like oh, I used to serve that one before. Yeah, that one. Say, I've, <laughs> I, I've heard that one before, you know. Sure. Like he doesn't have to refer to himself in the third person so often. Yeah, but I think you reading his lines as well, like when we read your story. Whenever I read them properly, whenever I actually read them right. <laughs> but I mean, like, I think the way you read them also lended itself to the reader understanding what yeah. his personality is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Notes to the listener here. Steve did improvise half of the lines of Yusuf. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I was typing in the chat a little bit because people were showing up in the stream. And so I was like, oh, sorry, I'm doing a recording. And they're like, Yusuf, how's it going? I'm like, Yusuf's doing good, baby. What are you talking about? <laughs> and Katus would be like, I'm assuming that's where he stops talking. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a little hard to follow where you were. I was like, uh. <laughs> I was rolling yeah. with the punches. I <laughs> yeah, 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 you did good. You did. It's improv. Yes, and you know. <laughs> right, right, right. All right. So, um, one thing that I wanted to talk about. So, I like the way that you kind of characterized Rio. I think that it was really interesting about how we got to see a lot of his thoughts and mm -hmm. how he kind of like. I, I just was interesting how he's like towing the line between like. Yeah being like good and like following society and mm -hmm. like his curiosities and like going into this other side where he's not really supposed to be. Mm -hmm. So um yeah, I just thought it was interesting how you kind of show his thoughts of like how he determines should I be going along with what this person is saying and have them not know what I'm interested in or should I be kind of pushing them a little bit. So yeah. I wanted to get your thoughts on like how you kind of thought about his like analysis of like his world and like his thought processes and like is the way he like analyzes situations maybe it's similar to the way you think or like i wanted to get your thoughts on that yeah so there's a very interesting like the conflict in this story is kind of like interesting where it's like you like uh reels look for something that's like just like straight up like ban and it's like 
it's kind of hard to like understand like as from where we're standing, but like it's like like the like the ultimate taboo in their society, like the prehistoric uh, information. And so he's trying to find people who are like kind of kindred in his like quest. Um, but doing so is like very a very risky proposition. But at the same time, they do live in a world where like people don't die. You know what I mean? And so the ultimate punishments, they're going to be different from what we experience. And like, I don't go too much into it in the story, but like, the thought process of people in like this world is also very different. The way they kind of like, um, like they're just naturally not curious. Like they've been like through like societal conditioning or whatnot. Like by the very nature of like what the elders have decided, like they can't like you know they can't be too curious about the world around them. And so, uh, so what he's doing is very like. It's very taboo, but it's also like something that's not explored that often. So he's he's like kind of like it's not like he's committing a crime that's like very well. Like for example, like if you and I were like, oh, I want to commit a murder or whatever, we know like the stakes of that. We know like the gravity of it. Whereas curious is trying to explore something that like it's not even considered like like the search for prehistoric data is like it's taboo, but at the same time like it's not something people really have to consider because up until this point. It just wasn't. A, it would be like if someone was like, "I'm obsessed with like murder, but not of people, but of like pterodactyls." You know, like if you didn't know pterodactyls are a thing, you're like, "You shouldn't do that," but you don't know, like, you know, it's not a thing you have to concern yourself about. But if you suddenly you're like, "Pterodactyls are real, and killing them is awesome," you'd be like, "I want to figure out a way to do this, but I don't know how to." And I, I feel like it's kind of fucked up that I want to. You know what I mean? It's a weird analogy, but like I'm kind of coming in from that perspective, and okay. I also. Rio's personality has been tempered by the fact that he's like this like pseudo celebrity who's like just like constantly like uh he's not constantly in the limelight but like he is constantly in the back of people's minds so they're aware of him so when they encounter him he like almost gets infantilized a little bit so he's used to like not being taken seriously so he's like able to kind of like play that off of people until he kind of reveals his true nature of like I'm actually like criminally curious or whatever and so like it was kind of like the process of like how someone who like has like a somewhat public persona kind of like juggles their like taboo desires with like their front facing like personality that people are aware of and whatnot when do you kind of like transition from like the fake you to like the real you whatever oh, yeah that's kind of what i was talking about earlier too about like the whole morals thing yeah like, it's interesting because mm-hmm. he's like wants to do this stuff but he's also kind of like oh, i should be part of society so it's yeah, like kind exactly. of a moral question too for mm-hmm. him in his actions. Um, I also just want to talk about, we kind of talked about descriptions earlier and how you're describing a lot yeah. of the world, but mm-hmm. I think that you do really great descriptions. Oh, thank um, you. You're welcome. And so I wanted to just talk about like how you kind of get there. Like, do you, like every time you, the character walks into a new room, you're like yeah. instantly describing everything. So like, do you like picture the setting first? And then you kind of come up with like what the character is doing there, or do you kind of think about like what the character's actions are and what setting would be best for those actions? Or like how do you kind of come up with like, um, where the setting is for the character? This is kind of true for like all my stories. The problem isn't like thinking of what happens or like where it happens. It's all there. It's more just like describing it in a sufficient way. Like all the stories I have, like I I know what they look like, but I do not know how to like put it onto paper, you know what I mean? Because, like, 
it's I think very like I don't know if like obviously no one knows what anyone else's brain is like, but for me like it's all like just visual, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so all my stories already have like from start to finish like what the scenery is, and so it's kind of like what points of the scenery am I like kind of like putting onto the paper? What actions are like worth highlighting and whatnot? So the scenery and like the action of the the uh, characters they already existed. It was just um trying to find like a good way of like kind of like conveying what was happening already you know what i mean yeah like in my mind i've already it's like kind of like i've seen a movie and i'm trying to write like a like a transcript of like what's happening on screen you know like oh enter sage left door to the right or whatever you know i think for when i was reading the story there's a few parts that really kind of highlight that you clearly have a very good visual of what the world looks like and you only kind of allude to it in a few places so I think in rooms and like smaller setting, smaller scale settings, you do a fantastic job at kind of showing what are they, what's the character walking yeah. through mm-hmm. small scale level. You also definitely allude to the bigger world. Like I think at one point, like Rio gets into his like hovercraft or whatever, yeah. mm-hmm. which alone is says a lot about the society, right? Yeah, exactly. Flying rather mm-hmm. than driving. And he's going over this like forest, right? He's looking at these like treetops. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. so this planet has been like terraformed and is this lush green planet. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then like in another scene, he's kind of like looking out of like a viewport window. And I, 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 I correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's here, but it was like a cityscape, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, I think there's a line where it's like the, like the cityscape had like replaced the vegetation that was outside the window previously or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and like those kind of lines, I think really stand out as you have definitely created a world, mm-hmm. and you're only kind of alluding into like a part of it, and it's allowing me to. So then I start to visualize, oh, what's this planet look like? And I think that yeah. does a good job at pushing us in the direction, but then letting the reader really make the jump, which I think is a great technique that you kind of part of the reading is I think kind of also imagining the story as you're reading it. Cause it's only words that you're kind of producing into an image. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it gets frustrating sometimes. Cause like I have like some, like a lot of times, like I lack the words to kind of describe, like, I'm like, Oh, if you knew, like, if you had been to me at this place, it looks like this place with a house in the middle of it. You know, like when we go to like Elman Nye's house, like in my mind, I have like a perfect Im- like, idea of what that imagery is like describing like the, like, the office where the interview is. Like I'm imagining like a beautiful, like, there's like a giant glass plane, like a giant like window that looks into like a forest that the house is inside of. There's like lush vegetation, green diffuse light kind of filtering through actual old books. And in the middle, there's like this like wood paneled like viewport. And like the scene in my mind is like, yeah, like it's, it's there. But like, I'm like, how do I describe that in a way that's like, well, I got to describe like this, this, I don't need to describe that. That's kind of redundant, you know? So. Yeah. I also really like the description that you had of like when they were looking at the photo and how you were like describing like what the old humans look like yeah versus, like them. Mm-hmm. I that was super interesting and, and it kind of made my you... favorite parts yeah, yeah yes, really sure. very good oh yeah and it made you wonder like what do these people look like now oh yeah mm-hmm. like select few things that you describe like the differences of so mm-hmm. i it makes me curious like what they actually look like so i think that's I have definitely a su- like an image in my mind I'm not going to, like, I do like leaving a lot to the reader to interpret. I think, like, for me, I I really value, like, uh, that's why I'm, like, whenever, like, there's, like, a movie that's coming out, like, a book that I like. Like, for example, like, Dune. I like the movie that came out. I like the Dune book. It doesn't, they don't line up. And so, like, 
when I'm watching the movie, I'm like, well, that's wrong. That's what it looks like in my head. And it's not really wrong. It's just like whenever like you strip, like I think for me, it's not like not a bad thing to make a movie out of stuff or like over describe things. But I like it when the author like leaves enough for like the reader to like build their own interpretation of what things look like, you know? So like it's open to interpretation, like what exactly, like a viewport, I know what it looks like to me. I don't just, I, I just kind of describe some of his functionality. I don't go into like a craft, for example. I know like, like, like the vehicle Rio uh, hops into, like, I don't go into too much detail. Obviously it's a short story, but like there are things in the world, like just even grand scale things, like what re-education is, like what ultimate punishment looks like for people who are mortal and whatnot. Like, I have like a like a full. I could do like a full book on it. I if I knew how to write, you know, I could do a full book on the way this world works. But I like the fact that like it's a very small slice of life that doesn't reveal too much, except for the fact that like, oh, these aren't humans as the way we think about them. They're weird. What exactly is like different about them? They apparently don't have skin that's as tight as ours, and their eyes are different shaped and their limbs are not as stubby whatever that means you know and so it's kind of like you create like like all right it starts with a human and it's modified somehow what exactly that means like that's up to you you know i personally picture a hunched over with like you know maybe higher shoulders and the arms like basically going down to their feet maybe Ooh, like that's <laughs> very interesting okay crooked uh crooked legs I like that. Okay. <laughs> more more blobby in the torso, but maybe thinner, like, extremities. Yeah, I see. Like, they're kind of, like, all their, like, fats kind of, like, compressed into them or whatever. Yeah, and then, like, I like their face <laughs> just definitely, like, droops. Like, yeah. <laughs> I think... Far. <laughs> but, yeah, the face is very droopy, yes. Mm -hmm. There's my there's my head cannon for the sunken Yeah, yeah, yeah. My lips are sealed. <laughs> okay, yeah, I think... Um, this whole episode has been kind of a off the papyrus kind of episode. Yeah, yeah so. we will not have an off the papyrus this time around. Yeah, I guess I'll just talk about like my thoughts of reading it, like uh, having like having had the reading done. Um, so obviously, like I want to make sure it's clear, it is still a work in progress story. Like that was like we were reading like a draft version of it. Um, there are parts like I think it's pretty close to like what I want it to be, what I want it to be, especially the very end. I think I'm going to work back like. The yeah. scene, it sucks because, like, the scene right before the giant monologue is, like, I love it, dude. It's, like, a, it's a, the, like, from the end of the interview to Alma speaking that long monologue, I'm, like, that's probably my second favorite part of the story. Like, the monologue at the, like, the uh, blurb at the beginning, like, it's kind of, like, removed. So, like, for the actual story, the big reveal, I'm, like, very happy with. But then, like, when Alma, like, just as like an exposition, like a lore dump of like long ago. And it's like not even a good lore dump. It's like full of like, you know, like just like common like tropes, like the coalition. I don't even remember what I call it. Like I, I've been thinking about how to rewrite it. So it's like more concise. I just had an idea. Yeah. You just got to throw it out there. See what mm -hmm. you think about it. What if like you like get to the part where you have that, you know, that conversation that you love where she shows what everybody looks like and you have the reveal that mm -hmm. this is not a regular looking human. Yeah. And then she goes into her big lore dump. What if you like do some kind of thing where the lore dump instead becomes a like retrospective view of Rio Duvac kind of like almost telling the reader what he learned from her lore dump without writing mm. the lore dump kind of thing. 
Uh, uh, I, idea. I just came out. You know, I can think off. about that. Yeah, <laughs> but then you could just kind of have like Rio Duvac, like you know, give the lore dump, and then maybe have this like, you know, you could almost end like what I do with this information. I'm not sure, but yeah, cause it doesn't have to be fully enough to be like. Uh, it was then that Alma informed me of like the true nature of the universe and the fact that we weren't the original humans, but they were out there hunting us, hating us for what we had become, how we have deviated. And that could be like, yo, I could just write that down. That right there, I could just re- delete and then be like, that's it. Like, that was perfect. You, you could do like a return to form where at the end you create like a new, like, like not an actual passage, but like his inner monologue of like a. Oh, yeah, like, like a sacred passage yeah. that now this youngest member of society has created. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Uh, I like the story now that I'm creating fan fiction. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Get out of here, weirdo. <laughs> you should like, have him do a monologue and then like somehow in the future, like somebody else finds it and they like use that as their monologue. Uh, <laughs> that'd be cool. That'd Make be a trilogy, cool. Steve. Make yeah. a trilogy. Everything's oh, no. a trilogy. I hate trilogies, dude. <laughs> Even my, like, my most, like, you know, I love sci-fi. Whenever yeah. sci-fi, like, stays past its welcome, I'm like, all right, I'm good, you know? See, what are we talking about next time? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, this is going to be the end of this episode, but join us next time, and we'll be discussing conflict, the trials and tribulations of our characters as they explore the worlds that we've placed before them. It should be a very interesting topic. Everyone likes a good fight. Join us next time on... The Ride Around Podcast. Thanks, guys.